Did you know that we're frozen in time? I looked at that clock about about 10 after now. I looked at that clock at a quarter till, checked my phone, it said a quarter till, it was just an hour off. I said, we're good, I'll just use that clock. But it hasn't moved since, so. <laughs> so I will try to manage my time here. So, CJ, if you wouldn't mind putting up that first slide. Okay, survival instructions. So what, what comes to your mind when you hear that? Wilderness. Wilderness, Bear Grylls, Man versus Wild. Life or death. Life or death. Swiss Army Knife. Swiss Army Knife. I, I, did, I did happen to bring my, uh, my tool this morning. You know, and uh, I actually have a carabiner clip on my bag, so I'm, I'm like set for survival. You know, and, and I didn't. I didn't plan it. I've got. I've got cargo pants on. These are great with ripstop. You know, so survival at, at its best. Um, has anybody ever watched the uh, the preppers shows? I recorded one once and watched part of it, and I'm like, that's interesting. They're a little too intense for me, but uh, it's like okay. Um, but that's not what we're going to talk about this morning. We are talking about surviving, but let's take. Let's just take a look at the world around us. You know, my, my subtitle there is, is uh, Days Are Evil. There's a lot of things that seem to be at our doorstep that would cause us to fret, to fear, just, you know, general anxiety. I mean, you look at it, and we've heard about the potential for a market crash. There's famine in places. There's uh, natural disasters. There's blood moons. There's Shemitahs. There's Ebola, Obama, Putin. There's, uh, there's what's happened in France. There's uh, all these things that really would cause us to say, wow, these, the days we live in are evil. What are we going to do? I mean, there's lying politicians around us. There's, it seems like there's another shooting almost weekly or monthly, which it's just tough things around us. And just the general unknown. How many of you are you know, a little hesitant to step into new things, to unknown things. I mean, you know, especially if you don't have a friend going with you. So, get this microphone to stay in one spot. There we go. So, part of me says, fight. The other part of me says, oh, I need to hide. So, what do I do? What I want to do is do what the Word says. So, I don't want to just survive. Because God doesn't want us to just survive. He does want us to survive, but he wants us to thrive. So how do we thrive? If you would go on to the next slide, thank you. The Bible tells us to walk circumspectly or carefully. Actually, I don't know if you guys can see. I'll move aside here a little bit so you can see that. There's only a few slides. But if we look at Ephesians 5.15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which is, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So, if you'd move on to the next slide. We need to walk with our eyes wide open. So how do we do that? You know, it's more than just seeing. It's really, it's seeing and knowing what's going on. So if you go to the next slide. So 
Maybe you need a little help keeping your eyes wide open. Uh, yeah, you know, it could be dangerous. So, really, we walk with our eyes wide open by viewing everything in the light of God's Word. So that's what I'm going to talk about this morning, is uh, God's Word and the importance of God's Word. If you'd move on to the next slide, please. So, and I'll go over these again at the end, but takeaway number one, it is critically important for us to have a love for God's Word. And, and I can't overemphasize that, that it's not secondary, it's not, well, maybe if I get around to it, but it's so critical that we have a love for God's Word, a passion for His Word, as some would say. As I look at Amos 8.11, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine for bread or for water, but rather for the hearing of the words of the Lord. And that's not just hearing, but it's hearing with revelation. So there, there's a difference, you know, we, we hear the word a lot, but there's a famine for hearing with revelation. Revelation is what changes that word into just letters and, and type and written words and things like that to something that our hearts and our minds can consume. It makes it edible. So, do you feel famished from the Word of God? You know, the scripture talks about a famine. I mean, maybe you're malnourished and you don't even know it. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So it needs to be resonating. That Word of God needs to be resonating in your head. Um, how many of you, you'll hear a tune, you know, maybe you are driving or you're in the elevator, you're in the store, and you'll come out and that tune is resonating over and over again the rest of the day. It's like, oh man, I can't get that thing out. That's how it needs to be with the Word of God. You know, whether you get up and read in the morning or whether you read in the evening or whenever it might be, but that Word that you read needs to resonate over and over again, that you hear that over and over again in your head. When it happens, it just it gets down into your heart. I think about two weeks ago, Linda shared on the identity in Christ. And you used a lot of scripture there. You had what I would say is just a scripture memory, you know, things that were directed specifically at saying this is my identity in Christ. And, and quoting those, and uh, you'd made uh, some audio tapes to listen to and, and played those over and over again. And that's a good example of that word resonating over and over again in our hearts and our minds. How many of you have your Bibles with you today? Show, you know, show, me, show me your Bible. What, what do you have? Okay, we got one of those. You know, I, let's see, what did I bring? I've got one of these, and I've got one of these. Okay, so who has, everybody who's got one of these, hold these up. That's a Bible, sorry. Hard copy, paper. Paper Bible. Exactly, what is that? It's actual, 
it's, it's like paper. It's like flesh and bones, you know? It's like real. What's the gray stuff all over it? The gray stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so the dynamics of Bible reading has changed. I, uh, I mean, they're a tremendous resource. The dynamics of Bible study has changed because I can take this or my computer or the, or the phone and instantly I can do a topical search or I can search for a scripture and have it there. Whereas before it was like, okay, let me, get, okay, I got a Bible and I got concordance and um, if I can fit them under both arms, I'm good. And I have to know how to search. Um, but it, it's changed the way we do things. Our, our society has moved from a, uh, what I'd call a society that reads to a society that watches. So we have so much electronic going on. Not that it's bad. I mean, it's an incredible resource. I can carry with me more than you know, I could ever fit in my library at home and have it as a resource to carry. But it changes the way, way we look at things. Um, I came to a point several years ago, it's probably been six or seven years, maybe more than that, where I'm like, you know what, I gotta get back to the paper Bible. I, had, I strictly read from my pocket, my handheld PC, for two years. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's great, because I've got it with me, and, but I'm not retaining as much as I did from the paper Bible. So I went and bought, uh, a new paper Bible at that point. And I, had, you know, I didn't have to, but I chose to go with larger print because uh, the, aging, the, aging, <laughs> the aging eyes at that point. But uh, so now I've got a, a, it does have red letters, no tabs. But uh, so I chose to go back to paper because there's that tactile feel to it. My first Bible, I didn't bring that one. I've got that one at home. You know, it was a Thompson chain reference, NIV, about that thick. It did have the tabs, it had the red letters, it had everything, it had tons of notes in the margin. I, I knew where scripture was by where it was located on the page. And so there's something about that. There's, you know, the studies are, are showing that there's better retention. I read, I read a statistic that um, we can read about 10% faster on paper than we do on electronic. So, you know, especially those of us who haven't grown up specifically reading on the electronic devices. So the culture of Bible reading has changed around us. You know, if we don't get the word ourselves, if, if we have a famine for the word of God, if we don't consume it, the world's not going to get it. So basically, I feed on the word I'm a living epistle or a letter to the world around me. So I become the word to them. So it's so important. Again, it's critically important for us individually, but it's critically important for the world that we get the word of God in us. So we've been studying Acts. And we hear about and we long for a move of the Holy Spirit amongst us. Paul Paul Anderson talks about flying with two wings. How many of you have heard that message? So, great message. Flying with two wings. One wing is the wing of the Holy Spirit. Move the Holy Spirit and what he does. The other is the word. We need both 
in balance, both in power. Both are powerful. Both are necessary. So we need to have a longing for the word of God also. So just as we long for a move of the Spirit, we need to long for the Word of God. So if you want a personal revival, it's really going to begin with consuming the Word of God. So Paul's been talking about revival. We want to see revival. We want to we have revival start in our midst, amongst us. When I think revival, I think of just a refreshing, a renewing, a powerful move of the Holy Spirit upon us. But a lot of that starts with allowing the word to change us individually from the inside out. And we'll have a personal revival. When we each have personal revivals, our minds are changed. God moves upon us. And then as we come together corporately, things are different. If you would go to the next slide, please. So takeaway number two. The number one survival instruction is to abide in God's word. So I'm going to take some text here from uh, between uh, chapters John chapter 14 through 17, and we uh, we talked about uh, John in the, that area 13 through 17, I think, prior to moving into Acts. So I'm going to hit some scripture here that talks about abiding in God. And uh, John 15 verse 4 says, "Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit." of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. So we're to abide in God's word and it's supposed to be inside of us. It's supposed to be a part of us. We feed from his word. So basically we're connected to the vine, that nourishment comes to the branches, or us. It flows to us. So what does it mean to abide? Can anybody give me an example of abiding? Resting. Resting. Very good. Living. Living. Dwelling. Dwelling. I heard. Yep. Okay. So, Dave, so your hand moved. Yeah. Okay. So I caught you out of the corner of my eye there. So abiding means to live in, to take up residence, you're not just visiting. You're not just passing through. So anybody, who, who here has uh, either is sleeping on a couch here now or has slept on a couch here now? Okay. So those of you who, you know, if you're sleeping on a couch here, you're probably saying, well, you know, I'm probably not abiding necessarily here. But once you get a room with a bed, maybe even not a bed, but you've got a room, you're in a room, you say, well, you know what? I'm not just passing through. I'm abiding here. I'm taking up residence. So when the word takes up residence, the lies, the false accusations, chatter, backbiting, uh, gossip, all these things, all these things that rattle around in your head, when the word takes up residence, when it's abiding in you, there's no longer vacancy for all this other stuff. So it pushes it out. So again, as we consume, as we feed upon the word, the no vacancy sign goes up and says, move away. Just pass on. Don't even stop. Don't even take a visit. You're not allowed here. So how do we abide in the Lord? 
One way is to rest in the Lord. Just rest in his presence. We walk in a constant acknowledgement of our position in him. Another way is to be in the word. So you're resting in the word, reading the word, you're consuming it, um, eating it as if it were a good food. Uh, you're meditating on the word, you're speaking the word. So these are all ways of abiding in the word of God. As I mentioned before, we need to develop a love or a passion for God's word. The Bible tells us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, we need to taste and see that his word is good. So how do you taste the word? Any, any thoughts on how do, how do you taste the word? I mean, it, you know, do I, I mean, literally, is, if it's literal, am I going to open this up and start, you know, <laughs> tasting it? Then you'd have the, the word inside you. I would have the word inside of me. But what impact would it be? I read it. Very good. So if I'm going to read it, I got a question. So, so does anyone have a Bible reading plan? Okay, that's good. I say a Bible reading plan of some sort is critical. There are formal ones. I mean, there's a lot of them. You can get them on the Internet, little booklets, different things. Some of them will lead you through the Bible in a year's time. Some of them maybe three years. Uh, some of them are going to combine an Old Testament, a New Testament, and and a Psalms or Proverbs reading. There's a variety of ways they're done. Uh, it may just be you say that, okay, I'm going to read through the New Testament this year. Right now I'm reading in this, and this, and this. I just completed Acts last week, and you know, I've read it several times recently, but I'm, I'm feeling a, an urge you know, to, in myself to go into the Old Testament. So I just jump back to Genesis. So I'll read through there for a while. But I have a plan. So it's not just Bible roulette where I allow it to just flop open and I read whatever happens to come. It's so important to have a plan. But I'll say this one thing about having a plan. Don't let your plan be so rigorous that you say, well, I've got to get this done. You know, it's, it's on the list. If I don't read this, this, and this, I'm not meeting my plan. So what? You've got to be able to stop when God starts speaking. Okay? That's critically important for that word to become real to you in your heart. Is when the word of God, or when, when God starts speaking to you through his word, you pause. You sit on that for a while. You think about it. That's how it's going to resonate in your head. That's where you want it to just turn over and over and over again. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So what did he say to us? The Holy Spirit's going to bring all these things, his word to our remembrance. So his word is all these things that he said to us. So this is talking about, this is an important role of the Holy Spirit, is to bring God's word to our remembrance. John 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So there's his word. We're talking about abiding. So if you abide in the Lord, and his words abide in you, 
Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So if we abide in God's word, his words are going to abide in us, and we're going to be influenced by his word, so that when we ask for something, we're going to ask according to his will, because we'll know his will, because we have read his word, we have consumed his word, we've meditated on his word, we've thought about it over and over and over again. So that's how we are in line with his will. The Bible says when it's in line with his will, that's when it will be done for us. John 16, verse 4, says, But these things I have spoken to you, so that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them, excuse me, I told you them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. So when the pressure comes, or when you're alone, that word is what you need to remember. We need to remember what Jesus has said to us. So I remember the time, I think I was still living in Chicago at the time, but uh, I was just feeling down. I mean, I just, you know, oppression, you know, just a heaviness on me, and uh, I didn't know what to do. So what did I do? I, I, I literally went to the Word, and it wasn't really a case of Russian or a Bible roulette, but I just, I started reading. I can't remember what it was, but I just intentionally went to the Word and started reading. And I read, I read the next day, and the next day, it wasn't long until I noticed that, hey, you know what? That weight, that oppression, that heaviness is gone. Now, this wasn't a case of me saying, okay, well, you know, I know there's an answer in here somewhere. God's promises are great, and he does have answers, specific answers for oppression, for depression, for sickness, for uh, fear in his word. But in this case, it wasn't one of those... Uh, Situations where I was actually searching that out. I just dove into the Word. And it changed me. So the Word will change you. I got freedom just from reading the Word. So if you don't know where His promise is, if you don't know what to, to look for, where to find it, what to read, get a concordance, call a friend, ask them, or just dive into the Word and start reading because the Word will transform you. So let's talk about the truth. The Bible says the word is truth. And we have a helper. As I mentioned before, we have a helper to remember that truth. So we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit throughout Acts and, and just the move of his power. But he's the helper who's going to help us remember things. John 16, verse 13 says that when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth, all the truth. For he will not speak on his, on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. So when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide us into whatever that truth is. It's the word of God. So he'll speak the word, the word to you. Not only will he speak the words, but he'll give you revelation so it will transform you. So it can be revelation for your situation. So as you're reading, God's word going to come alive to you. You may not uh, even be reading, but the Holy Spirit will remind you of what you've already read. He'll bring, bring to remembrance all of that truth. 
So one of the most common ways to hear from the Lord is through his word. Sometimes we'll hear, you know, it's, it's a more rare case when we'll hear something with, with these ears. It happens. God can speak out loud. He can speak quietly. He can speak thunderously. But in most cases, the most common way we're going to hear from the Lord is through his word. Crack open his word. Start reading. He's going to start stirring your heart. He's going to start speaking to you. You will get revelation. So it's not just about knowing his word. Again, there are a lot of scholars that know his word. But it's about experientially knowing his word so that it's real to you. So what if, if, if I read something? And you need, that's, that's a good question. If you, when you read something in the Bible, you need to say, so what? Because you're asking, what does that mean for me? What does it really mean for me? How does that impact me? So it's about experiential knowing and abiding in God's word. John 17, verse 3. I, went, I think I went back to the King James for this because it's a little more, I just like the uh, poetic voice of it. But it says, this is life eternal, to know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So how do we know the one true God? We dive into his word. We look at his word. You know, we, we can know when salvation comes, when we receive the Lord into our hearts, we know the Lord but there are, there's more to it than just that. We need to find out who he is. What is his character? What is his nature? What does he think of us? When I got saved, um, my brother said, you know what? You need to get on the five-year plan to get to know Jesus. Yeah, he said, stop, stop thinking about the girls. You don't need to find a girlfriend. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. It's like, find out who Jesus is. When I got saved, it wasn't a situation of, uh, you know, here's this Jesus. He's going to do all these nice things for you. He's going to heal you. He's going to make you prosper, all the, that. My brother just said, do you want to receive the Lord? Can I pray with you? And the Holy Spirit had brought me to that point, and I just said, yes. So, after that, it's like, well, who is this Jesus that saved me? Because I didn't have a clue. You know, a little bit from you know, growing up as a kid in, in some Bible classes and things like that, but very minimally. So, you know, I really was jumping into the five-year plan of who is this guy? How do I get to know him? So, you know, I said, you know what? I need to experience Jesus, and I need revelation so he'll become real to me. So we don't, we don't prosper through the abundance of knowledge. We prosper by experientially knowing him through his word. If you would go on to the next slide, please. So do any of you know who Alan Langstaff is? Alan's a good friend. He married uh, Beth and me, uh, stole her away from his church and all that stuff. And... Uh, so they're good friends, but uh, this came in a newsletter a while back, and uh, if you can see it, great. Otherwise, I mean, I'm going to read it to you, but uh, you know, it stuck out to me. 
when, when I read it, and Alan said, we need to recognize the new normal and in turn realize we who believe in the Bible are becoming a minor minority in society today. The battle is over the Bible. There is coming a major division within the church, even within the evangelical wing of the church. It, would, it will involve whether you believe and accept the authority of Scripture or if you believe a subjective experience can overrule the objective truth of the word. The battle is over the Bible. So we're, we, ha we have it freely. I mean, most of us have access to free apps, paid apps, paper Bibles, stacks of Bibles. We have the word of God. It's free for us to consume. It costs Jesus a lot. It costs God a lot. But we have free access to this. There's places around the world that do not have free access to the Word of God. So I cannot emphasize enough that we have this free gift. Let's consume it. John 17, verses 14 through 18 say, I have given them your word. Here we go. It's just, this is word again. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, even as I'm not of the, the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one, to help them survive, you know, to help us survive. It's keeping, them, keeping us from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of the, of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And Jesus said, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. So if you wouldn't mind going to the next slide, please. So here's, here's the takeaways. Survival instructions. Number one is abiding in God's word. Number two, we need a restoration of revelation in the church. Number three, you're probably malnourished and don't even know it. You need a checkup. You know? But if we're if we we need an annual physical because we may not even feel like we're sick or malnourished. But you need a checkup. Say, am I am I really malnourished? Am I famished of the word? And number four, a love for God's word is critically important to us. It's, it's critically important for the world around us. So as you read these, is it an amen or an oh me? You know, can you say amen? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm abiding in God's word. I, I know it. Uh, I'm not malnourished, I'm flourishing, or is it, oh, oh, me, you know, maybe I do need a checkup. Yeah, both, yeah, yeah. So, I'm going to wrap up here pretty quickly, but I'm going to talk about, let's see if I got this on the slide, no, I don't, some practical things. So I mentioned this before, uh, a little bit of it, but uh, again, to tie it with what, what, with what we've been learning about Acts, from Acts, is um, signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. In Mark 16, 17, 18, it says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. 
So we're believers. They'll cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Verse 20 there says, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So as we declare the word of God, either in this fashion or just sitting down around the dinner table, saying, hey, you know, you know, casually talking, talking about biblical principle, you're declaring the word of God because that's what's in you. That's what's coming out. As you declare the word of God, signs will follow. So have an expectation of that, an expectation of miracles, an expectation of those happening amongst you. So I asked you, if you another practical thing, I asked you again, think about a Bible, daily Bible reading plan. Um, pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we can know God's word. So we don't need our own interpretations. That's Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. And uh, I'll pray that a lot. Is, Lord, give me a, a spirit of wisdom and revelation so I can know you better. Because if I know him and understand him, understand who he is and his character, that becomes a part of me. I start thinking like him, start thinking like my dad, acting like my dad, doing what my dad wants, a spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can know him better. If you would, uh, I think there's another slide, if you wouldn't mind going to the next one. There we go, yes. How <laughs> you thought you were gonna get away, huh? Look at that, so homework. Can you believe that? If you wouldn't mind passing that. Homework, yes, pass some of this around here. Yeah, it's not optional. So we talked about screens versus paper. So I'd encourage you to, if you're, if you're always reading on, on this right now, I would encourage you to set this down for a couple weeks, maybe a month, and read from paper and see if it transforms your reading, your retention, those things. Plan to read the word with someone else. Read aloud. There's some dynamics that happen there that change the way you retain, and, and it, uh, it'll bless both of you. Do an inductive Bible study with a small group. So basically that's laying aside your preconceived notions about what the word's going to say to you. Just because you've read it a hundred times doesn't mean that God's not going to speak something to you through that that may be a little different than what you know. It may be the same thing, but get together with people. Um, number four, this kind of relates back to some of the things Linda had prepared. Pick a challenge or a problem in your life, big or small, and find a scripture or a promise in the word that's going to address that issue. Read it, meditate on it, speak it, pray it. So, one more slide here and uh, before we uh, jump into that. It's a little small, sorry. Wasn't sure. Okay, well, I'm just going to close in prayer. And uh, Bob, are you uh, doing administering communion? Father, I thank you that uh, your word is so accessible to us. 
Lord, that we have freedoms like nowhere else on the earth, that we have an abundance of your word, Lord, abundance, abundance of access to your word. Lord, I pray that we will just grow in our love for your word and our passion for what your word says to us, that uh, we, we would see your, your word as a love letter written to us, Lord, that you took the time, you specifically came after us and presented the word to us. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Um, after communion, we're going to do a small group. So, sorry about the small type, but uh, if uh, you can't see it, come a little closer. Here's a few things. Uh, first one, first section is, uh, you know, praying that your group will taste and see that the word is good. And then there's some other scriptures below that. So you can either, and if there are blanks, put your name or a family member's or a friend's name into that and pray that prayer. And then uh, as you go down there, just have some discussion about your Bible reading plan. Um, how do you plan to consume God's word and, and abide in it? And then talk about, are you retaining God's word and is it becoming a part of you? When I think of the God that we worship, I think of a, a sacrificial God, a serving God. And to say that he has all the power in the world is true. But in love, he uses that power and authority to serve and, and restore fallen humanity. All of his resources are used to bless and serve those that he loves. And that's pretty incredible. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to read 1 Corinthians 13, 1. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It's a good description of who God is, and it's a good description of who God invites us to become. Just gonna ask us to be a little reflectful right now and 
let the Holy Spirit search our hearts. If there's anything we need to let go of or repent of, because we want to keep your hearts, we're supposed to do that when we take communion. Lord, just search our hearts. Liberate us from strongholds, from sins, uh, from unforgiveness. Purify our hearts this morning. the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread with his disciples. He said, this is my body given and shed for you. Take and eat. So we take his his body, the bread representing his body. Let's just do that now. And then he took the cup representing his blood. This is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink this. So we're going to do that now. Lord, we pray that you would bless the elements, bless the, the bread and the grape juice representing your your body and your blood and bring healing and transformation. I'm, I'm going to ask too that if anybody has any physical ailments, remember we, we believe that God has given us supernatural power to see others healed. Jesus purchased healing for us on the cross. Okay? So, anybody have any sort of physical ailment this morning? I'm not seeing any hands raised. Oh, I, I do. Okay. So, could you could you come forward? Is that all right? And if anybody wants to come and pray, we're going to we're going to pray for you. God knows the solution. A little humor for you there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, lay, lay, lay two fingers in the nostrils. <laughs> Steve, you wanna you wanna lead us in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, we're so grateful uh, as as Tim shared that we go in the Word, and and you said that you are the Word. So as we're in the Word, we're with you, and your Word promised that we're two or more to, are gathered in your name, that you would be present. So we know you're right here, laying hands on Joel. Mm-hmm. And Father, we pray that uh, you'll restore his body to complete wholeness and health. And whatever the issues are, Lord, that's causing his um, ailment, that you will go to the source, to the root of it, and heal it and, and correct it. In Jesus' name, and that um, Joel just add to his list of testimonies when he talks to people uh, another thing that you did in his life, and that it'll um, honor you in Jesus' name. Father, we just stand by him. Lord, you've purchased healing for us on the cross. We're going to contend for that. Lord, just let his body function the way that you've ordained it to function. 
bless his family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Tim did a good job. Were you encouraged with Tim? He put a lot of work into that. All that typing, that's, that's love. That's love and word form for this body. So I, I appreciate that. Um, we're going to break into small groups and pray and talk about these things. But before that, I'm going to give you the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, And I also believe God really wants to bring blessing and favor and joy for us in this holiday season, Lord, so just let it be released. Let special blessing, special love, and unity and intimacy be released in families and friendships this holiday season. In Jesus' name, amen.